0: Welcome to the Glory Mountain Church Podcast. For more information on our church and ways to support what God is doing here, visit glorymountain.com. Oh, welcome to week two of, what's our series called? Stronger Together. I knew that. Stronger Together. And uh, we're learning, we're just tapping into building strong relationships this month And how many of you know we need that in the world today? We need that. And his church, the church, is to be the example to the world of relationships. And we got Valentine's Day coming this week, yes. For those of you married or dating or whatever, we got, you know, that romantic day of the year. How do you know what's romantic? How do you know what, what uh, each other likes, you know? Just ask him. <laughs> Mark knows. He's asked me. I've asked him. What's romantic to you? And then we'll do that, you know. We'll, so, um, yeah, so we're going to go uh, shooting on Valentine's Day for you. No, just kidding. We're going to go to dinner and uh, have some romantic time. Do that. Do that for your relationships, and if you don't have a relationship, invite a friend and go have hot fudge sundays or something, lots of sweets, (laughs) Uh, but uh, we are talking about relationships, and I want to hit a little bit this morning on our married relationships, but also on relationships in general, and how we can continually be working on those. You know, Mark and I, we've been married 40 years, as you know, this coming July. And that has got, working on our relationship is a never-ending process. Never stops. You're always working on something. Communication, intimacy, you know, juggling uh, what we have, just stewarding it well. And so you're Always, always working on your relationships, whether it's a married relationship or a family or friendships. Um, you know, our family has lived by the beach pretty much all our life. We've lived, in fact, when we got married, I prayed this silly prayer. It wasn't silly to me, but I was like at 20 years old. Getting married. Oh God, could we just live by the beach all of our lives? And God heard me because we've lived here in this area most all of our lives. And, you know, just raised our kids here. And They all, you know, surf. And we would go to the beach. And we, so many times when they were little, we would just hang out at the beach. And they would be making their sandcastles, you know. And take so much time, you know, sometimes hours just to get the sandcastle the way they wanted it. And, you know, to get the sand firm enough. And then put on their little embellishments and their little you know, their little shells, and just made it, you know, sometimes like a fortress and a castle. And we'd be there all day, and we'd be playing in the beautiful, long summer day. And by the time it was time to go and sunset was coming, sure enough, did it again. those waves would have come up, and those sandcastles were history. And it took so much effort. And it took so much time. And, you know, I was thinking how many relationships in our world resemble those sandcastles where you you put in effort, you know, you put in some time. But at the end of the day, maybe a few years down the line, you see that it's still relationships sometimes still seem to fall apart. Married or friendships or family. And the reason being, there was no foundation. I love the parable that Jesus gave us. He was on the mount. They call it the Sermon on the Mount. His greatest teaching happened there. And his disciples were all there listening to him, and he talked about so many things. You can see it in Matthew. It starts in chapter 5, and he talks about so many topics, and he was really showing everyone what the kingdom was like. And come to the end of the teaching, he summarizes in Matthew 7, the beatitude, the Sermon on the Mount. And this is how he summarizes it. He says, and I'm going to read from the Passion, Translation in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27, okay? And it's a story of the wise builder and the foolish builder. Everyone who hears my teaching and applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man who built his house on an unshakable foundation. And when the rains fell and the floods came with fierce winds beating upon his house, It stood firm because of its strong foundation. But everyone, this is Jesus talking now, but everyone who hears my teaching and doesn't apply it to his life can be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand the easy way and when it rained and rained and the flood came with wind and waves beating upon his house it collapsed and was swept away you see the storm was the same the houses were different father this morning as we just come before you we ask that you will give us your words and your strategies and your plans to build a strong house. Father, help us to build our lives on you, our marriages on you, our families, our church on you, Lord. Help us today. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to speak to us. And as our hearts are open and our ears are open, we know that you're going to speak and say something, Lord, that we can take home with us, God, and it will continue to take root and grow. So we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, what? The laborers are in vain. It's not going to work unless the Lord builds, builds the house. And you know, when I see people like yourselves, and this is who you are. When I see people, when I see people working on their lives, working on their marriages, I see spouses that are, um, are continuing to go through marriage and been married for a number of years, I see total sold-out commitment. I see that they have thrown away an exit plan, an exit strategy. And they've got, I see you guys, I see people in here that model this. You have radical Commitment. If you're going to have a relationship in this world that's going to work, both have to have radical commitment to God. Not just in a religious way, but in a way where you're getting to know him more and more and you're going into the depths of his love. And he is becoming your all in all. Radical commitment for God. Radical commitment to his word. Radical commitment to each other, to our families, commitment to our churches. And when I look at you guys, I see that's who you are. And down through the 2,000 years that the church has been operating, God always has a people who are radically committed in their relationships, and they realize that the greatest treasure they have on the earth is their relationships. Now, I know, in fact, in the Beatitudes, Jesus talks about when relationships sever. He gives the reasons why those happen. And I know there's people in this room, your relationship has severed because of biblical reasons. It doesn't say you have to divorce when you when someone's committed immorality or adultery. It says that you can forgive. But that is the reason. And if there's anyone that has gone through that here, you know that there's a healing process that has to take place. And even if there's a divorce, there's such a healing and time where the Lord just wants to heal those wounds over the time. But there is a, when you come into marriage, and I want to say this, if you're coming into marriage, you want someone else who has that same radical commitment as you. you if you haven't been married yet, you want to look and wait for that one who is all out, sold out to the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's just common knowledge in in the church. But sometimes we see people make a mistake, and then we see them suffer all, all their lives. Sometimes because there's that unequal yoke. So um, I would say, for Mark and I, the greatest one of the greatest things that we have done is to be totally committed for forty years. We've never talked, split up, divorced. Once we married, we knew we had each other, for better or for worse, for our whole lives. That was our mindset. That's always been our mindset. And that's, that was always God's mindset when he instituted marriage in the covenant of marriage. We don't take covenants very seriously in our day-to-day Some people just think it's way too hard or it's just way too inconvenient or, you know, when you see pop culture and you read magazines. I was at the dentist's office this week and I looked and there was people magazine. It was like, who's already split up in 2019? And they had all these couples and it's like, you see pop culture and they don't really want to take the time to build a strong foundation. And so they end up years later, divorced. You can you can get married easier than you can get your driver's license. You know, you got to study and you got to take a test, but get married? Know each other for a week, go go do it. Jesus instituted marriage and we have to find out what his instructions are and we've got to be able to flow with him, not adjust. My husband is not going to adjust to what I want all the time. And I'm not going to adjust to what he wants all the time, although we want to meet each other's needs. But together, we are adjusting to what God wants all the time. All the time. We're adjusting to him. I like what um, Dave Willis, The Seven Laws of Love, fabulous book. He says this, Our culture is suffering from a lack of real commitment. Many people seem to treat their relationships like possessions, like Starbucks, like an iPhone. It can be upgraded or traded in for a newer model, kind of like a consumer marriage. And we trade in our cell phones every year or two, and many people trade in their relationships with the same frequency. This on-demand mentality has swarmed into our relationships and has threatened to replace the patience of love and covenant with the immediacy of pleasure. We have traded true intimacy for porn. We have traded committed marriages for commitment-free cohabitation. We have traded having children for having pets We've traded meaningful conversations for text messages. And we've traded till death do us part for till divorce do us part. We've traded the pursuit of holiness for the pursuit of happiness. We've traded love for lust. You know, I heard a story a pastor was telling us about a couple that he was walking through the husband passing away, and they'd been married 65 years. And he was there at the bedside, and and the wife was just doing everything she could for her husband in his last moments, and, you know, wiping his forehead, and holding his hand, and singing to him, and just telling him how much she loved him, and Honey, do you need anything? And the pastor after a while was, you know, this was going on for a while and we knew they knew he was going to be going on to heaven and he just said, "You know, ma'am, pulled her in the other room, you know, sometimes you just need to let him go. You know, maybe you just need to let him go." And she looked and she said, "Oh no. Oh no. I just want one more day." I just want to serve him one more day. I just want to love him one more day. Just one more day. I just want him one more day. That is committed love. Just one more day. Give me one more day, Mark, to love you. Give me one more day just to serve you and show you my love, commitment, Dave Willis also says, no relationship can can survive unless it's rooted in rock-solid commitment. Isn't that good? So good. You know, I see the story of commitment in the Bible when I look at Ruth. Do you remember Ruth? Ruth chapter 1. She has a book in the Bible about her life. And I love her exemplary modeling for us so that we can see what commitment was. This is something I've heard we've used in weddings, but it's not a wedding or a marriage story. It's about a Moabite woman, Ruth, about 3,000 years ago. And she had married into Naomi's family. Naomi had a son, And she had married Naomi's son. And over time, Naomi's husband had passed away. And Ruth's husband, Naomi's son, had passed away. And you know, in that culture, there was never any tie or any uh, requirements that you had to continue on with your husband, your late husband's family. You could go ahead and go back home to your own family, which is what Naomi thought that Ruth would do. And so they're grieving. Their hearts are broken. In that day, a woman without a husband was desolate, had nothing, was poor, no one. And they had no family. And so picture this. They're trying to decide where to go and who's going to go where. And they're making plans. And we pick it up in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, Naomi, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. And your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried And may the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. God blessed her commitment so much. Do you remember the story how it goes on where she ends up going with Naomi and they're having a hard time. They're they're trying to make life work. But I know God saw her heart and she didn't want her mother-in-law to be all alone. She committed her entire life with her, picture of commitment for us. And as as they're doing life, we see that Ruth eventually meets a man named Boaz. Boaz ends up being a wealthy man, takes care of her, takes care of Naomi. They have a son. And if you look at their lineage, it goes all the way down a few generations next to King David. And then a few generations after that to Jesus. Jesus wanted Ruth in his lineage. I believe she so blessed him with her willingness and her commitment to go and to be committed to someone that she want it to give her life to. Your eternal impact, guys, the impact that you're going to make in this life is always defined by your level of commitment to the people that God has placed in your life. Isn't that good? Sometimes we don't feel like we're doing much, doing a big thing, a, a lot, But you have a people that are around you that God has placed in your life. Whether it's your wife, your children, those in this congregation, those people that you know God has put in your life, those are the ones that we can pour out our lives to. And who knows, who knows what will happen in the future Who knows, as we are committed to one another, as we're committed, who knows what the generations to follow, how they will be built and blessed and established because of our commitment, because of what we've done, because of our marriage. Who knows what's going to happen as our children grow and our grandchildren grow. But they have people they can look to. And wherever you are in life, this can be you today. Committed, committed to God, committed to his word, committed to one another. You know, I was thinking last night, I cannot remember anyone in my parents, grandparents, -grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents, all the way back, because I've gone back all the way to Abraham Lincoln, the 1850s, just looking at our, our generations, no one divorced There was a commitment somebody established a long time ago. I'm not saying you cannot have a commitment if you have divorced family members. You yourself are laying that foundation today for those that come. But just, I feel like just because of those that were committed before us, We had a good foundation to stand on. You know, we had a good um, paradigm. We had hope. And you are that one that's laying that foundation for those that are going to come behind you. If you're married, if you're single, you're living. You know, today, this message is about commitment. If you are committed, God is going to bless your life and you're going to be fruitful and you're going to see just the blessings of the Lord overtake you, overtake your children, overtake your grandchildren. Why is that important? Because our relationships and family is the most, the biggest thing on God's heart, the biggest thing on his heart. And so wherever we are establishing those relationships, let us be those that are committed fully to the Lord, committed to one another like, like Ruth was. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we've got foundation in Jesus Christ. Upon that foundation is built our life, our love lives, our friendships, but they cannot flourish unless there's commitment. So you have Jesus Christ as your foundation, and then you've got commitment built on top of that once you've got commitment, your exit strategies have been thrown out, you will build an awesome marriage, an awesome relationship with your friends, an awesome relationship with your family because you've got the you've got the building blocks right. You've got it right, and I can guarantee that if you guys continue to walk with that establishment, the foundation of Jesus, raising your family in the Lord, worshiping Jesus, when you go through the tough times, you don't give up, you turn to Jesus. When you're in that fight and you think that it's not going to work and I'm ready to walk out, you go to Jesus. You go to him. You go to him because it's built on his love. So that's your foundation, and that will help you through all the years, all the seasons, all the decades of your lives together. Without that foundation, I cannot guarantee your marriage. I cannot guarantee anyone's. You have to have the foundation. Sometimes people ask Mark and I, how did you do it? How have you done it? How are you so in love still after 40 years? I don't have an outline for that. I don't have any tricks up my sleeve. I have been committed to God. And Mark has been committed to God. When you're both committed to him and you want to do things his way, oh man, you're going to so much Stuff is going to begin to come off of you. You're going to realize who you really are when you get married. You're going to realize the faults that you have, the faults that we're just two imperfect people that are married and believe in a perfect God. He's so wonderful to take us through the seasons of life. But if there's anything I'd want to say to you, you've got to be established on him. The foundation is Jesus. He's the one. His love is all that we need. And then you have to be committed. I have flourished in my marriage. And I have been able to go through the ups and downs and the healings I've needed and the joys of life because I knew that my husband was committed to me. He the same, because I'm committed. When you live in an atmosphere of commitment, there's freedom, and there's joy. That's good preaching. I wish I could just... I wish I could let the people that don't know Jesus in on this. They'd be so helped with, you know... All the brokenness and the heartaches and the heartbreaks. I mean, we have those as believers. But we have Jesus to heal us, to pour our anguish out, to pour our problems out too. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about once you have built your foundation... Once you've committed to the Lord and built that foundation, and then you've established upon that foundation a life of commitment. Commitment! It is not popular now. You know, people really do want, people really do like to please themselves. You see it all around. But we are a people who are established to a covenant that was made 2,000 years ago by the most committed person that gave his all for us. And that's who we are. That's our DNA. That's our lineage. We are committed through thick and thin, through all the marriage ups and downs. We're not going anywhere. We're committed. We're in covenant. We're staying where we are. This is who we are. This is us. This is us. This is you. Don't think because you have a bad past or you don't have a, have a paradigm for what I'm talking about that it just doesn't relate to you. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You have within you a covenant making God that has cut covenant with you. And because of that, you have the power, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit every day in helping you, energizing you, giving you what you need to stay in covenant, to stay committed, and to bless and serve one another all the days of your life. I remember Mark's dad. He was on his way to heaven and we got the phone call that morning, and it was Mark's mom, Shirley. I think, I think today's the day. It's just so hard to say goodbye. I think it's the day. She said, I got up. I went over to him, and I just kind of washed his face down. He was at home, and he was dealing with an ailment that he had had, and and she said, and all he's doing is just saying, thank you, Shirley. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. Thank you. And at the, the very last breath, he was just thanking her for her commitment of 63 years. It's beautiful. In this room, if you're married, I want you to see yourselves as 75, 85 years old, 90 years old and you got, you know, you got your friends, this is for you married ones, you got your friends or you got your family and you got your grandkids and you got them all around you and they're looking at you and they're saying thank you, thank you, thank you for your commitment. I say that to my parents almost every time we're with them. Thank you, Mom and Dad. I'm so proud of you. 63 years. How'd you do it, you two? Just committed. They don't know anything else. Let that be our story. When we're 80, when we're 90, some of you here, single, you have been committed to the Lord, and we honor you for who you are, those married here for however many years. We honor you for your commitment. We honor you for your commitment to the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm excited for next week because we're going to talk about what to build after commitment. So let's stand. Let's pray together. you, Lord. We just stand in your holy presence, Father. Thanking you for your great love to us. There's no one that's modeled commitment better than you. Thank you that every day you are pouring out your love, pouring out your grace, pouring out your strength so that we too can be committed and our marriages can be an example of your great love to us. Father, we thank you that you give us the strength to continue on year by year by year by year. And Lord, it's not just to be married, but it's to have a fantastic marriage filled with joy, filled with love. Lord, I ask for those that are waiting for their Boaz, waiting for their spouse, their partner, their spouse, Lord, in marriage. I thank you that every man here will find that woman, every woman here will find that man that you have for them. And Lord, that they will leave that legacy of commitment. Thank you for these committed ones, Lord. I thank you so much for my church. I thank you for who they are and what they exemplify, what they stand for when they go out of these walls. And I just bless them this week. I bless their relationships. I bless their marriages. Father, I ask that they would continue to grow strong in you and let their homes be filled with joy and peace, Lord. Thank you that you have gone before them. You establish their ways, Lord. You bring them into a good place. Even when we're going through a tight time where it seems maybe we can't even move, God, or we don't know what's up. You bring us through that place and you take us into this open, beautiful, blessed land, God. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, for anyone that's going through struggles or heartaches in their relationship that are here or that are listening online. We just speak to them and we say that if you are meant to be together, you will get married. And Lord, we speak to the married ones, Lord, and we say that they are meant to stay in covenant and to be a testimony to all those around them. Lord, thank you that you have that right one for them. And we just bless you, Lord, that your timing is perfect. So thank you for this time we've had. Thank you for this precious church, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your great love and your presence here today. We never feel more at home than when we're with you. Thank you for being our home. We love you, Father. Thank you that you're keeping us stronger together with each passing day. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today and being a vital part of what God is doing in his people. We hope that this message impacted you and that you were blessed. We would love to connect with you about this message and what God is doing in your heart. You can email us at info at or visit our website, glorymountain.com. You can also give online to support what God is doing at Glory Mountain. Have a blessed week.